Well, good evening, everyone. A warm word of welcome once again to the house of the Lord. We do welcome you in the Saviour's name. And we pray that the Lord will be with us and the Lord will bless us as we're found together in his house and that we'll know his presence amongst us even as we come to worship the Lord. We do remind you of the announcements for the incoming week. And there is a children's meeting tomorrow night at 7 p.m. And we do look forward to that time with the boys and girls. And we do encourage you to pray that the Lord will bless those efforts that are made to reach the children of this area. On Wednesday evening, we continue in our studies in the book of Second Peter. And then, of course, having our season of prayer, one with the other. And it would be lovely to see as many as possible every Wednesday night drawn aside and coming to the house of the Lord and coming to study his word and indeed coming to pray. And we encourage young and old alike to come and to be here on the Wednesday evenings. This is the final opportunity this evening to sign up for the church dinner. And already there's a good number there have signed up and we're thankful for that. But there is space for more. And if you can come with us this Friday evening over to Sally's in Ochnacloy, then we do invite you and encourage you even this evening to put your name down and to take uh, those items that you want to eat even at that meal. We remind you of the price for those that are working age. It is £28 and the church is willing, as we mentioned, to cover the cost uh, both for those that are uh, children and young people at school and also those that are at our over retirement age. But as I say, tonight's the last opportunity and so please do get your name down on the sheet. Then we remind you of the time to be there on Friday evening if you can be uh, gathered together in Sally's in the downstairs part of it uh, between 7 and 7.15 and then they plan to serve the food from about half past 7. The service is then next Sunday, the Sabbath school in the morning half past 10 and the regular times of worship half 11 and 7 p.m. And of course do remember the seasons of prayer in the upper room uh, before both of those services. I'll be here in the will of the Lord uh, to conduct both meetings and we look forward once again to the Lord's blessing and his hand upon us at those meetings. There is a committee and session meeting planned for Tuesday the 28th of February and we remind the brethren in the committee and session of that meeting. And as we mentioned this morning, please do pray for our congregation in Carrickfergus over the next two weeks and in particular pray for uh, Noel Shields and for Colin Maxwell as they undertake that mission. Pray that the Lord will bless and the Lord will visit uh, that area even at this time of gospel evangelism. We're going to turn our hymn books to the hymn number seven. The hymn number seven as we commence this evening to page 177. Uh, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. The hymn number seven, we'll stand together as we sing, please. <coughs> Let's stand as we sing.
Amen. Let's still ourselves in God's presence. Tonight together around the throne of grace in prayer. Let's all pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we bow before Thee. We thank Thee for the access, the invitation even to come before Thee this night. We thank Thee for the peace that we have with God. We thank Thee this night that we can claim even that joyful position that we find ourselves in Christ. We thank Thee, O God, for salvation, the plan of it. We thank Thee for the perfect execution of that plan. We thank Thee for the one who became man and so was and continued to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. We thank Thee for Jesus Christ. We thank Thee for the love of God. We thank Thee for the grace. Oh, we thank Thee for saving grace this night. We thank Thee that where sin abounds, yet grace does yet more abound. And we praise Thee for this tonight, that though we were vile sinners, yet God's grace won us, and God's grace saved us. And Father, we praise Thee tonight that there's not one can stand before the grace of God. We thank and praise Thee that the devil bows to it. We thank Thee and praise Thee this night that grace will never be defeated. And there is victory in the grace of God tonight. And we rejoice in this. And therefore we can have that confidence even in thy promise that thy grace is sufficient, whether it be for the salvation of a soul, whether it be for the needs of a believer, even as we make our way through this world, that we have that hope, we have that assurance, that confidence in the grace of God that it is sufficient for our every need. And Father, we thank thee for thy day. We thank thee already today for the opportunity that we had this morning to be gathered together in thy house. We thank thee for help that was given and for thy presence with us. But, O oh God, we come to thee this night and we pray that thou wilt once again draw near, that thou wilt abide with us even in this even tide, that we will know the presence of the Lord, the speaking voice of God to our hearts. And, O oh Father, that thou wilt work within each and indeed within every one of us. Father, we are conscious tonight there are many needs. We're conscious tonight, O oh God, that there are many concerns and burdens, even upon thy people. We think of every family in this congregation. We think, O oh God, of every need that there is within those households, within every family. And we pray that thy blessing and thy hand will be upon each one, that we will, O oh God, be still and know that thou art God, that we will know the Lord's hand and the Lord's help in our every situation, in our every day. And, O oh God, in our every need. And, Father, we thank Thee that Thou wilt meet all of our need. And, Lord, we do pray that Thou wilt be near to Thy people, that those that have burdens upon them, and we think even of loved ones at this time, we think, O oh God, of those burdens that maybe individuals have come with this evening, burden for loved ones, concern for them, whether it be for physical need or spiritual need. O oh Lord, may they know the peace that passeth all understanding. May they know the Lord's grace and the Lord's help. May they know what it is to cast all of their care upon thee, because they have that assurance that thou dost care for them. O oh Lord, we pray that thou wilt be near this night, and that thou wilt bless. We pray for the preaching of thy word. We pray, O oh God, that there will be that word in season. Lord, that thou wilt speak to every heart, that thou wilt speak to every life this night, and every individual. We think of those that listen online as well. And Lord, maybe tonight live, or even at a later time, 
Lord, we pray that thou wilt speak to their hearts. We thank you especially of those, O oh God, that are unsaved. And yet they listen in, and we praise thee for this. But, O oh God, we pray that thou wilt save them. We pray that thou wilt show them their great need of salvation, that thou wilt bring them, O oh God, to the very end of themselves. Bring them to that lowest point, O oh God, that they must look up, that they must put their eyes and bring their eyes to look upon Christ, the one who suffered in their stead. And, O oh Father, this night that souls will be saved, that even there in their own home as they listen in, O oh God, that individuals will be brought, O oh God, to the foot of the cross, be washed in the precious blood of Christ, be gloriously saved. O oh God, hear and answer prayer. Remember the gospel tonight. Remember as it is preached right across our land. Remember, O oh God, every faithful witness, every individual who will stand and will preach forth Christ and Him crucified. We think as well of the mainland, and we think, O oh God, of our mission fields. And we think of churches right across the world. Lord, whether they are yet to meet or whether they have already met today, Lord, we pray that souls will be gloriously saved, that many individuals will be brought from darkness into light. Lord, remember us and do a great and a wonderful work, we pray thee. We're conscious of our need this night. We're conscious, O God, that without thee we can do nothing. And so we cast ourselves upon thee. We throw ourselves completely at thy feet. And Lord, we just pray that thou wilt undertake in every aspect, every part of this meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. 263, the hymn 263, the pages 282, the wonderful hymn of Charles Wesley, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Saviour's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursue 263 and let's stand and really sing on to the Lord this evening let's stand as we sing
going to read together from the book of Acts in the chapter 28. The book of Acts and the chapter 28. We commence this evening at the verse 17. Acts 28 and verse 17. The word of God says, And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you, to see you, and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain." And they said unto him, We neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. For as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed him a day, there came many to him and to his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning until evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not amongst themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you, that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. When he had said these words, the Jews departed, and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house, and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God. And teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence. No man forbidding him. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts. We're going to sing together our offering hymn. The hymn 100. The hymn 100. O Christ what burdens bowed thy head. Our load was laid on thee. And thou stoodest in the sinner's stead. Did spare all ill 
for me. Remain seated, please, uh, for the first part of the hymn as the tithes and offerings are lifted. Stand for the remainder of the hymn, please. have our Bibles open, please, in the book of Acts, in the chapter 28. 
Two verses we'll read again together, the verse 23 and 24. Acts 28 and the verse 23. It says, When they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning until evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. I want to speak this evening on the subject, the prisoner who preached. The prisoner who preached. Let's just unite together in prayer and ask the Lord to come and to speak to our hearts. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank Thee already for drawing us to the cross. We thank Thee for even that last hymn as we consider, Lord, the great punishment that Christ endured for us. We think of the darkness, even of sin. We think of the punishment even for it from a just God. It was all in that cup which Christ drank. We thank and praise Thee that He drank every last dark drop. We rejoice tonight in the finished work of Christ. We rejoice tonight that it is a perfect work. And Father, we do pray once again as we come to preach and come to consider Thy Word. Lord, it will be very clear to each and to everyone, from the youngest to the oldest, that Christ is the answer, that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray, O God, that each and every one as they leave this night, and each and every one that will listen to Thy Word even online, will know within their heart, and will be able to testify that they are persuaded in whom they have believed. O oh God, we pray Thee for salvation to come, to visit this house, for salvation to come and to visit the houses in this community. O oh, hear and answer prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul has now arrived in Rome. The promise which God gave to him was a faithful promise, and that promise has come to pass. In spite of the efforts of others to derail it, and in spite of the efforts of others even to bring to an end the Apostle Paul, in spite of the tempests and the storms that he endured, yet now he is in Rome itself, come to the very heart of the Roman Empire. You might have notions and ideas in your head, and Maybe you wonder, well, what did Rome look like? As Paul came into it, what really stood out or what were the features of that city, of the great capital of the Roman Empire at that time? Well, if you've ever been to Rome, maybe you're thinking of the Colosseum. Well, Paul was too early. We believe he came in the early 60s AD, around 61, 2 or 3 AD. The Roman Colosseum for the gladiatorial games was not completed until 80 AD. But certainly as Paul would have been brought into Rome, he would have been brought up Capitoline Hill. He would have been brought up to the Roman Forum. That was the place where all of the generals as they returned from battles would have came and been paraded and the laurel wreaths placed upon them. The great victory circuit as it were, were took them up Capitoline Hill and through the Roman Forum. And they also brought their prisoners to show them off as well. 
And so you had those great monuments. Many of them are still standing to this very day. You can go to Rome and you can go to the Roman Forum. You can go on Capitoline Hill. And you can see some of the structure that still stands. But the greatness of a nation, always remember, is not found in its buildings or in its architecture. Rome at that time had a population of two million. Half of that population were slaves. They reckon roughly at that time when Paul was brought into Rome, roughly one million people were slaves. Out of the other one million, the one million citizens of Rome, there were roughly 700 senators. At one time there was a thousand, but Nero brought that number down to increase his own power and authority. You had 10,000 knights or officials that ruled over all of the business of the empire. You had 15,000 soldiers that were camped on the edge of Rome. You weren't allowed as a soldier into the capital itself. If soldiers came in, it was because of a coup. And so they would have been based in camps around the outskirts of the great city itself. But the vast majority of the people, the Roman citizens, were paupers. They had nothing. The wealth of Rome was in the held in the hands of very few. Many of those poor people didn't even have a home. They slept in the streets at night. They just lay down in entrances. They just lay down in the roads itself. They just lay down wherever they could find somewhere to put their head. The greatness of a nation is not found in its buildings, and the greatness of a nation is not found in its people. The greatness of a nation is found in Christ. Proverbs 14, verse 34 tells us, Righteousness exalteth a nation. We live in days whenever people would have you to believe that people exalt a nation. That we should talk up our people, talk up our populations, our communities. But the scriptures are clear. Righteousness exalteth a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Before a nation can be good and before a nation can be great, a nation must first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all of the needs of a nation will be added on to it. That's the reality today. If we want our nation to be great, it needs to seek God. We don't need an education reform and we don't need the health reform and we don't need all of these things as a priority. The priority for our nation is Christ. Because if we seek first and Christ is put in His proper place within a nation once again, then all of these other things will be added on to it. That's what happened in the days of Luther and Calvin. That's what happened in the aftermath of the Reformation. Luther and Calvin were primarily preachers. The primacy was preaching. And they gave themselves to preaching. Many, many precious souls were saved. But Luther and Calvin also went on to do much good for community, for social reform, social care, education, government, capitalism. All of these things were influenced and were produced and even progressed by men such as Luther and Calvin. But first they preached. When Paul was brought into Rome... Rome was a mess. 
It was ruled by a tyrant, and Nero, who cared for nothing and no one except himself. And yet God in his providence brought Paul to that place. Paul's brought as a prisoner, but he's brought as a prisoner to preach. He's a man in chains. Verse 20 makes that very clear. He says at the end of verse 20, I am bound with this chain for the hope of Israel. I am bound with this chain. Paul literally had chains upon his wrists and upon his ankles. But he still preached. He had no freedom. But he still preached. He had no church. But he still preached. He had no guaranteed congregation. But he still preached. He had no clear work for him to do. But he still preached. He doesn't quit. He doesn't throw the towel in and say, what's the point? The Lord called him to service and therefore it was only the Lord who could ever take him out of service. And Christians sometimes forget that. Sometimes they can trace and they can say, yes, the Lord burdened me for a work. The Lord brought me to that work and the Lord brought me into that work. But then they'll say, no, but I'll decide when I quit that work. I'll make the decision when to come aside. I'll make the decision when to come out of it. When I feel like packing it in, I'll pack it in. I don't like to use the illustration of a horse, but I will use it. The horse never decides when it's put out to pasture. The master does. Now, a young horse is of more use than an old horse. Young, strong horse, healthy, full of energy, full of power. It can do great work around a farm. Now, of course, nowadays with tractors, but we're going back a few years. And as a horse gets older, and maybe it can't pull as it once did, the master will then decide, right, I can still use you. Yes, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You don't have enough power to maybe pull the plow and to plow that field as you once did. We'll get a younger one for that. But then I'll move you to this work. It's the master who moves the horse around. The horse doesn't go, look, I'm away to pasture here. I've had enough. That ought to be the same in the work of Christ. That the Lord decides when he's finished with us. That the Lord decides what we are to do and when we are to do it. And the Lord decides how long we do it for. And then the Lord says, right, now I'll move you to this. Now you can do this other work for me. Now I have something else for you. Paul was given the promise, the command, I must bear witness in Rome. And so the prisoner under house arrest and chains preaches. Nothing deters him or puts him off. We read there in the verse 17, he's only been in Jerusalem three days. Three days just to recuperate from walking as a chain gang 120 miles. And he gets there and he at rest for a day or two. And within the three days, within the third day, what does he do? Makes contact. He brings the leaders of the Jews at that time in Rome to his house. 
He introduces himself. He gives a background why he's in chains, because of course, you're not exactly going to listen to a prisoner, especially in those days, without first understanding why they're in chains, why they are a prisoner in the first place. And so he gives them the whole background story of how he was speaking with the Jews and how the Romans investigated him and the Romans were happy to release him but it was the Jews who pushed and pushed and pursued the matter and so he appealed to Caesar and that's why he's in Rome. There is a desire to hear Paul preach. And so a date is set. The day arrives and the prisoner preaches. Two things I want to leave with you in relation to this prisoner who preached. Firstly, the verse 23, I want you to see the congregation for the preacher. The congregation for the preacher. It tells us when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging. That original meeting with the Jewish leaders was certainly profitable. Bringing together a congregation. You'll remember that already he had made contact with the Christians in Rome. Whenever Paul was making that 120 mile journey up to Rome itself, the Christians came to meet him. They came as far as Appy Forum. They came as far as the three taverns. And so he already had started fellowship with them. He had already met them. He had already rejoiced in meeting them. But as Paul's way was continuously... Whatever city he came into, the first people he looked for, the first people he talked to were the Jews. And so he made that contact with them, and the meeting now is set up, and a congregation is brought together. And I say this, this congregation was special. Because firstly, you see the verse 22, the congregation is willing The congregation is willing. It says in verse 22, this is a Jew speaking. They say, we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest. Now this is remarkable in and of itself. These are ungodly men. This is not the Christians who walk to Appy Forum and to the three taverns that are speaking. This is the ungodly, this is the Jewish leaders that are saying this. We desire to hear thee. They're not saved men at all. In verse 22, they'd referred to Christianity as a sect. That's not Christian language. That's individuals who have apathy, who have an ignorance, yea, a rebellion even against Christianity. They call it a sect. In other words, in their eyes, it's a cult. It's not Judaism. It must be a cult. It's not our religion. It must be a cult. It's a sect. But we want to hear it. And we want to hear you. They had a desire not only to meet him, they had a desire to hear him. And it's lovely to see as well, their willingness was not in word only. Their willingness is indeed, for they actually do come. Many individuals have ever went with an invitation to someone and you've knocked the door or you've phoned them and you've talked to them and you said, we'd love you to come to the meeting. Oh yeah, I'll come, no problem. You're like, oh wow, they're willing to come. They never come. That happens in all walks of life. 
How many are willing to put their hands to the community effort? Oh, yes, yes, count me in. And then the day an hour comes and no one turns up. But these men were willing. They said, we want to hear you. We desire to hear you. And Paul says, right, here's the time. And they're there. And it tells us in the verse 23, there came many. I don't know what size of lodging, what size of a house, but I guarantee you this, that house was full to overflowing. Paul said the time, the date, the hour, and he set the time and they turned up in their droves. Not just the Jewish leaders, the Jewish leaders, the ungodly, went out and rallied the people, they went out and told the people, and many came. And such is their willingness to hear the preaching They're there from morning until night. Remember, it's the ungodly we're speaking of. It's not the Christian. The ungodly are there from morning until night to hear Paul preach. Now, you may be wondering, oh, I hope there was a break. Surely he wasn't speaking non-stop. I believe there were breaks. He had chains in his hands and he had chains in his ankles. Every four hours the guard was changed. They did it in shifts. So you can guarantee every four hours there was a pause. We'll put it as a pause. Maybe they were allowed to go out and get a bit of fresh air and to relieve themselves and to come back in. We don't know. But every four hours there would have been a Roman soldier fighting his way through the crowd to come in to then take the chains off Paul and to then replace the guard so the other guard could go away. So every four hours, maximum, and then you got a break. And they're there from morning until night. Unsaved. Wanting to hear the preacher. You think of it, how many of us could sit through four hours of preaching and then get a few minute break and then come back in for four more hours. Some Christians can't even give four hours in a week. Too much for them. And here was the ungodly four hours. Paul never stopped speaking. It wasn't a case of singing and singing and reading and praying. No, for four hours, Paul preached. And then the guard came in. They got a few minutes. Then Paul preached. Now I think of Christians today and the lack of hunger there is for the preaching. Some people quote 2 Timothy 4 and 4 where Paul's speaking to Timothy of the last days and he says they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned on to fables. So whenever you look round and you say, well, that's just the way that's falling away in the last days. It must be in the last days. Church attendance numbers are going down. Church efforts in terms of the turnout, the attendance, it's just it's falling bit by bit, year on year. 
Must be in the last days. That's it. That, we just have to accept it. Child of God, whilst that is true, God's word is true, there will be a turning away. Never forget your personal, individual responsibility before God. Each one of us will one day stand before the Lord and give an account of what you did in your life. There's not one Christian can stand before the Lord and say, Lord, your word said in the last days that we have fallen away. So Lord, I just fell into that group. No, the Lord will ask the question, why did you give up? Why did you stop going? Why did you not be as faithful as you once were? Why were you not willing to endure sound doctrine? Remember, what's the beatitude? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. In other words, happy are they. The joy is there in those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because the Lord promises they will be filled. Many hungry Christians there are. Sadly, some might even be famished. They're not tasting, not feeding. Oh, child of God, let me encourage each one, be willing. This congregation was willing. Secondly, this congregation was witness to. Verse 23, it tells us, When they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God goes on to say, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses, out of the prophets, from morning till evening. I remember many times when I was young, maybe Sunday afternoon or even driving to church Sunday evening, I used to ask Dad, well, what, what are you preaching on tonight? My boys don't ask that, they know it's Acts. And Dad always usually came back with the very same answer, the Bible. To which I usually responded, what, just starting at Genesis 1 and 1? Well, that's actually what Paul did. Paul started at Genesis 1 and 1, and Paul just preached. Because we read it, read it there in the verse, he brought to them both out of the law of Moses, in other words, the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then he just worked his way on through, and he came through the, the books of history, he came through the books of poetry. He came then to the prophets and all of the prophecies, and right throughout it, he's holding on to a silver or onto a scarlet thread from Genesis right through to Malachi, and it's all Christ. And in every single book and in every single section of the Old Testament, he's just bringing to them: there's Christ. In the Garden of Eden, there's Christ. And you just work your way through book after book, and he's bringing to them, there's the Son of God in this book. There's the Son of God in this book. There's the Son of God in this book. He showed them the only Redeemer of God's elect. He just took that scarlet thread, and he just took it through book after book. He showed them the entrance of sin as by one man sin entered into the world, death by sin. So death passed upon all men. Why? Because all have sinned. 
He showed them the promised Messiah. He would have taken them to Mount Moriah. He would have taken them to Abraham and to Isaac. Isaac asking, where's the lamb? Abraham saying, God shall provide himself a lamb. He showed them the sacrifice of Christ for the salvation of the sinner. He showed them the wages of sin is death. There's sin brought in through Adam. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ. He would have shown them how to be saved. To believe even as their father Abraham believed. Abraham believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. All of those scriptures, by the way, that I just referenced, they're all taken from the book of Romans. Paul's there in Rome, just going through the whole Bible. You see, the kingdom of God's not a physical kingdom upon earth. Was not where the disciples made the mistake for so long? Judas thought, oh, I'll hold the bag for Christ because whenever he overthrows the Roman Empire, then I'll be the chancellor. And all of the disciples, when? When are you going to throw out the Romans? When are you going to overturn? And then Christ is nailed to a cross and the two men on the road to a mess. They can't understand. We thought. Kingdom of God's not a physical kingdom upon earth. We're not to lay up for ourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where the thieves break in and steal. But we're to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. My, how many are only looking to the here and the now. Many individuals are more prioritized with what they can see, with what they can hold. It's only for a season. Scripture's clear. The Apostle Paul was clear. He expounded and testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. You need Christ. You can't be saved without Him. Your legalism and your Judaism and all of those sacrifices that you're constantly offering and all of those things of the Torah that you're holding on to, it can't save you. You need Christ. You need Him personally as your Savior and as your Lord. It's a congregation for the preacher. But then verse 24, there's a contrast before the preacher. The contrast before the preacher. Verse 24 tells us when, and some believed the things which were spoken and some believe not. Paul preached from morning until night. And everyone that was gathered, all of the many in that house, they all heard the same message. They all looked at the same preacher. They all heard the same words coming out of the preacher's mouth. He didn't say one thing to one group and then another thing to another group. Everyone that was there heard the same preaching. 
They heard the same Scriptures being referenced. They heard the same scarlet thread running throughout that He constantly held on to Christ and brought Christ out of every book and every section of the Old Testament. They all heard the same and yet only some believed. Some don't. That's the contrast that the preacher sees after every sermon. There'll be those that believe. There'll be those that won't. Every time you present the gospel, every time you tell the individual of their need of salvation, every time you tell them of their sin, of that natural state that they're born in, every time that you present Christ and Him crucified, there are those that believe and there are those that don't. Paul finished preaching that evening. Some believed. Some believed not. What Paul in reality saw before his very eyes was separation. Because there were those that came in. And then by the end of the day they separated themselves onto the gospel. They separated themselves away from the crowd. And they believed in Christ. Then the ungodly stood outside on their own. The thought here, I believe that's before us, is that there were more that did not believe than there were that believed. Now they're about to leave their rebellion, their rejection. Paul stops them. Paul's moved by God to speak in quotes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. You have those verses, the end of verse 25, he says, Well, spake of the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers. Go unto this people, say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes have they closed lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and should be converted. Remember, Isaiah 6 is one of the most wonderful passages in all of Scripture. Isaiah 6 in the verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His glory filled the tree, or His tree and filled the temple. All you have is a cherubim, the seraphim, Crying, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah saying, woe is me. Then the word goes forward. Whom shall I send and who will go? Isaiah says, here am I, send me. These verses 9 and 10 follow immediately after that. After that great revelation of God's holiness. Then comes God's judgment. God's condemnation. God's saying in those verses 9 and 10 of Isaiah 6, He's going to come. 
See, for so long, the message had been going forth, prophet after prophet, preacher after preacher, telling the Israelite people, turn from your sin, turn from your rebellion, turn away from the false gods and all of those things that are filling your minds and your heart. Turn back to the Lord. He's holy. And yet, how many of them were sin? No. God says there's enough time. The time will come, I will come. I'll judge you. And I'll separate you. And I'll condemn you. The Apostle Paul, as that crowd was about to leave his house, he stopped them. And basically what he's saying in ordinary layman terms is this. You have separated yourself tonight. This congregation that was before him, you have separated yourself. There are those that believe, but the rest of you who have chose, you've separated yourself from them, and you're staying apart. You don't want the gospel. You don't want Christ. You don't want the things of God. You've separated. But there's coming a day God will separate. God will separate the wheat from the tares, the goats from the sheep. The unsaved from the saved. God will come in. And you will be lost. It was not the reality. Even you think of the life of Pharaoh. There in the book of Exodus. Moses came. Thus saith the Lord. Let my people go. And you have chapter after chapter. Plague after plague. Pharaoh hardens his own heart. Then it comes to a point. And it says God hardened his heart. God stepped in and said enough. You've separated yourself from the things of God. I'll now separate you from them. You've rejected the word of God. I'll now make sure you never hear it. You're finished. Now my friend that's the reality for you tonight. The gospel is available to everyone. Lord Jesus Christ's death upon the cross is for the whosoever will. But if you reject it, if you separate yourself from the gospel and you say, I want nothing to do with it, there will come a day God then will separate you from himself and he will say, you wanted nothing to do with it. And you're gone. Depart from me, ye cursed. I never knew you. you. Know how many in this world today want nothing to do with God. Want nothing to do with salvation. Want nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's not willing that any should perish. Those individuals that just refuse and rebel and reject. God says, My spirit's not always going to strive. There'll come a time the Lord says, That's it. 
now I'll separate you. My friend, tonight, if you find yourself in your sins, maybe you've rebelled, scorned the gospel every moment until now, let me plead with you in my Savior's name to come to him. Not simply to turn or even to tarry, but to come to Christ. There are many willing to come and to listen to Paul. They stood from morning until night. They listened to the preacher. And then they just walked out and said no. And they're lost. Oh my friend, don't follow the crowd. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's have a word of prayer as we close. Heavenly Father, we bow before Thee. We thank Thee, O God, even as we come to the final remarks in this book, that Paul was faithful in his preaching to the very end. We thank Thee, O God, that the message never changed with Paul. Because the message has never changed. Father, we pray that Thou wilt have mercy. God, we read in that verse of some believed and some believed not. They separated themselves and they went away. God, may that be, may it not be one in this gathering whose experience is that tonight. May there not be one who refuses or who rejects. But, O oh God, that there will be those who come to Thee. We think as well of those that listen online, O oh God, have mercy upon them. May they not simply switch off and say, that message isn't for me, O oh God, will they come? Will they come to the cross? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, separate us with thy blessing. Take us to our homes in safety. Watch over us in the incoming week. Bless the meetings that will be held in this church throughout the week. We pray that thy hand will be upon them. Thy presence will be in them. And, O God, that we will rejoice in what the Lord will do. Hear and answer prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen.